wherever you're listening to the show, please subscribe to the show so that you are getting notified about every new episode that comes out and leave a rating of the show so that other people can know about it. We can move up the algorithm so other people can work on their game the same way you're working on your game. Now let's get to it. I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. A more liberal agenda has taken over just in the world. Stayallday.com. Stay exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has, relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach, too. Hey, you, work on your game. Gave me something really good. Work on your game. DreOldJay.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. You are now tuned into the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically, and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative, the go-getter energy that moves any one of us, including yourself, to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. Then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, and techniques all underneath the umbrella of one unifying philosophy that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today we are going into part two of what I told you is going to be a six part series where I will be examining the feminization of sports, why this happened, what happened and where it is taking us. And of course, why it matters. And before we get straight into part two. First, let me tell everyone to send out a daily motivation text for free to everyone who's in my text community. You want to be in my community, text me at this number, 305-384-6894. Every day when I send that out, you'll be getting it, guaranteed to keep you focused, sharp, and on point every single day. Now, without further ado, let's get straight into our points here. I don't have to give any more introduction. If you didn't listen to the previous episode, make sure you do so that you can follow this entire path because I'm breaking this whole thing down and then putting it back together. So let's move straight into point number four here. So we did three, one, two, three yesterday. Now point number four. Here's what's happened. This is where we left off. In general, a more liberal agenda has taken over just in the world and in society as a whole, in the United States at least. And the liberal agenda, the thing is, they have access to the athletes and the entertainers. And athletes and entertainers who they have access to? You and I. They have access to the masses. And it's game on from there. The liberal agenda has some things that go against the no conservative agenda. I, mean, I think everybody understands that. So it's game on from there. All they need to do is get the athletes and the entertainers to buy into an agenda. And they will then get the masses to co-sign that agenda. They All the athletes and entertainers do is just market the agenda to the masses. And then everybody buys into it. And here we are. So now when you see you know, rappers wearing dresses, even athletes wearing dresses, male athletes and male rappers, that is, 
When you see a gay rapper like Lil Nas X, he came out with Old Town Road, which is a benign song that was very catchy. He got a, a ton of fans and all his audience that he built off of that. Then, as soon as he got all those people paying attention to him, all of a sudden Lil Nas X had a video where he's kind of doing devil worshiping and he's having sex with men and he had a gay agenda and a kind of uh, non, I guess we can say this decidedly non-Christian agenda that uh, Mr. Nas X had once he had all the fans of the young kids through Old Town Road. This dude was actually showing up at elementary schools and performing and the kids knew him and the teachers liked him. He had all these fans off of doing that. And then as soon as he had everybody's ear, then he came out with that. So this was actually, uh, it was a masterfully executed strategy by Mr. Nas X. I'm not a listener of his music, but this is exactly what he did. Again, I'm just telling you what happened. Y'all tell me if I got any of this timeline incorrect. But he accessed the kids with a hit song. Then he started pushing this gay agenda and devil worshiping agenda, whatever you want to call that. He did in that video. Then you get athletes campaigning for politicians, for campaigning for certain bills to be passed, certain laws to be revoked against certain bills and laws against certain politicians. You got athletes and rappers doing this when we know that they know very little about these things. They're just saying things that they've been told to say by the people that they decided to buy into when they have no knowledge whatsoever what they're campaigning for or against. They're just going against whatever they've been told is wrong and going for whatever they've been told is right. And it all starts to make more sense when you understand exactly where this is coming from and why. So I told you this is a more liberal agenda. And the liberals do have the ears and the eyes of the athletes and the entertainers. We've seen this. And you see somebody like Barack Obama, when he came out to came out to be president back in this was damn near 15 years ago. He had all of the hip hop world. He had a lot of the athletic world, all very supportive of him. Why? Because he's a black guy, because he had a liberal agenda. And I would admit people were not paying as much attention to the politics side of what Obama was about at that time. I was one of them. Now we're paying a lot more attention now than we were then. We're a lot more informed about what's going on now than we were then. I'm not saying anything negative about Obama or even positive about Obama. I'm just stating this point that we weren't paying as much attention to these kind of things, like what's in a bill, what laws being passed, what politician, but aside from the actual president and maybe your local mayor or governor, we weren't really paying attention to these things. Now, we know about all this stuff. Now we know about the mayor and the governor in towns and cities we never even been to. We know about judges. We know about the, who's getting on to the Supreme Court. We're knowing about who's in the cabinet for the president. We know who the press secretaries are. We didn't know who these people were when Obama was coming out. We weren't we didn't give a damn. We weren't paying attention to this stuff and we didn't have easy access to the information. But now with social media being what it is, we have easy access to all this information. So a lot of people who otherwise would fly under the radar during their career working in politics and government. Now we know exactly who they are because of the proliferation of the media that we all now have access to. So keep all of this stuff in mind as I'm building this picture. I'm putting this puzzle together of how all of this stuff started to happen. Part of the liberal agenda, and I think we can thank President Obama for this, is the pushing forward of the LGBTQ agenda. And there are many people who they say it in a derisive type of way. I personally don't say it in a derisive way, but there are many people who say Barack Obama got elected because we were looking forward to having the first black president. But what he actually was, was the first gay president. Because again, some people who are much more plugged into politics than I have said, and if any of you think I'm wrong on pointing this out, I'm not saying everyone thinks this, I'm not even saying I think it, but I've heard people say this, 
that Barack Obama did more for gay people than he did for black people in his two terms of office. And he was even on a cover of a magazine being called, I believe it was Time magazine, might have been People magazine. I don't remember which one, but they called him the first gay president, not in a negative way. They were saying it in a positive way. Like, hey, he's doing a lot of stuff for the LGBTQ community, also for feminism and a lot of handouts for DIE initiatives, as we talked about yesterday, for minorities. And all of this is not I'm not putting all this on Obama. I'm saying this is the liberal agenda. I'm just telling I'm putting him with the LGBTQ push which uh, he got a lot of credit for it. He took a lot of credit for it. He wanted the credit and he accepted it and he basked in the glow of it while a lot of black people who strongly supported him said, hey, he did more for the gay people than he did for black people. And he had two terms of office. And again, you can go hear those people talk about it themselves if you would like. But as far as the liberal agenda, it led to more DIE initiatives, diversity and inclusion and equity, which is the enemy of high performance for minorities and a strong breaking that has continued to this day with anything that could be looked at as a traditional value, anything that could be considered conservative. There's been a strong breaking of it, strong breaking with it by anyone who's on the liberal side. This is why, exactly why you heard hardly anyone in the sports world speak about the Leah Thomas situation at the University of Pennsylvania. I did a whole episode on it when I told you I was going to speak up for the women athletes who were not being defended by their alleged advocates. I told you that in episode 2121, that I don't even pay that much attention to women's sports, let alone do I pay attention to a sport like swimming, men's or women's. But what was happening at the University of Pennsylvania with Leah Thomas was egregious. What happened, past tense, that was egregious. And the fact that none of your advocates, female athletes, stepped up to defend you is, that should be a big, big waving red flag, pulsating red flag to you that nobody stepped up to defend you when a man decided that he was a woman, got on the swim team, swam the whole season, and nobody did a damn thing about it. And here's the reason why nobody did anything about it. Because the Leah Thomas situation, Leah Thomas was a transgender man who became a woman. I don't know the exact language how you're supposed to say it. Leah Thomas was a man, decided that he was a woman, swam as Leah Thomas the entire season, you know, changed clothes in the locker room with all the girls and all this stuff, and nobody did anything to stop it. And they were people were actually actively told by the University of Pennsylvania, you cannot speak out against this or you would basically be silenced, kicked off campus, kicked out of the arenas and all this stuff. If you spoke up against what was happening with the Leah Thomas situation, the reason why nobody said anything is because, again, sports has become more feminized. And part of the feminizing of things, the feminist movement, the woke movement, social justice movement. So feminist is about pushing females forward. The social justice movement is about pushing people of color, black people forward. And the LGBTQ movement is about pushing gay, lesbian, transgender, all of those people forward. And the LGBTQ group has more power than both the feminists and the social justice people put together. So the Leah Thomas thing was a liberal situation. It was a liberal agenda item. And the reason why nobody stepped up to defend the female athletes when this man decided that he was a woman is because to do so will be going against the grain of the liberal agenda. And so many people are so afraid of going against the grain of the liberal agenda that they said nothing. Why did none of your favorite athletes, I've asked this question like 10 times on the show since that happened. Why have none of your favorite athletes who have so much to say about topics in which we know they have no knowledge, why did none of them say anything about the Leah Thomas situation? These are guys who, you got NBA players who have made 
major noise and made sure that you knew about it when they went to support female sports, when they wanted to say something to defend female athletes, when they wanted to advocate for women athletes and talk about how great these women athletes are and how they deserve this and that and how they should get more of this. Of course, they're not offering to give any of their own money, but they made sure that you knew that they were advocating for female athletes. So why, when a man start swimming in the women's pool and is beating the women, why didn't none of your favorite athletes say anything? None of your favorite woke social justice warrior. I'm going to speak about whatever I want to speak about. I'm going to use my platform athletes. Why did none of them step up to defend you, female athletes? And I'm telling you why. Because to do so will be going against the grain of the liberal agenda. Now, what does that have to do with an athlete? Why would they not want to go against the grain of the liberal agenda? Because, oh, we got a lot more to get to here, folks. Going against the grain of the liberal agenda means you're going to get attacked on social media. Big deal for a lot of athletes. Means your friends and family who have all been indoctrinated into this liberal agenda, especially when you're an athlete, you either been indoctrinated into it or you've been indoctrinated to keep quiet, even if you disagree with it. You quietly can disagree with it. They don't want to go against that grain. So they all stay quiet. If you have a different explanation for why they stay quiet, you tell me. Please don't come to me with they didn't know about it. Oh, they knew about it. They just didn't say anything. I want to know what you think is the reason why they didn't say anything. They know. They just didn't say nothing. Why is this? And again, these are athletes who have made it clear that they will speak about whatever they want to speak about, that they would use their platforms to talk about social issues. They're more than athletes, right? Isn't that the whole thing? I'm more than an athlete. I know about other stuff that's going on in the world. I got a platform. I have a responsibility to speak on things that I see are going on. They all knew about it. Why not a single one of them say anything to defend you? I'm explaining to you why. And I'm not even done. We're not even halfway into this one yet. This goes deep. Let's move on to point number five. Today's topic, once again, we're on part two of six, the feminization of sports. ESPN. Let's talk about them. The worldwide leader. Entertainment Sports Programming Network is what they stand for. ESPN. We all know about them, right? They've been around since before I was born. They have deemed themselves the worldwide leader in sports. And for all intents and purposes, that is what ESPN is. They have made themselves that. They are the first place that we look when we want sports news and we want to know what's going on in the wider world of sports. ESPN is the voice. And for the most part, ESPN stayed out of any type of social commentary, anything that wasn't really sports related. They pretty much stayed out of it for most of their existence. But we all know that is no longer their agenda. So let's go back. Now we got to go back in time in the way back machine to understand how this all happened. Disney, you know, Mickey Mouse and all those people down in Orlando. Disney purchased ESPN back in the mid 90s. And a lot of people don't know that, but they have slowly increased their influence over what ESPN does over the years. Most recently, with their strong pushback against the HB 1557 bill, aka the quote unquote don't say gay bill, which is not actually what it is. I talked about that in episode 2151. You didn't have not listened to that, listen to it so that you understand what's actually going on and you can sharpen your critical thinking skills. Disney used a lot of their influence to get ESPN to, they had some on-air personalities say some things against this don't say gay thing. And any of you follows what's going on at Disney, you know that they have pushed strong, strong against this bill, HB 1557. Main reason being because the bill was created by a Republican governor, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, at least as of this recording. I suspect, though I have no proof, this is just my suspicion, that Disney will be enforcing even more influence over ESPN's masculinity or what you could call their growing femininity because here's why. Here's the dots that I'm connecting. 
Disney is pushing strong this whole LGBTQ movement. They're pushing it very strong. I'm talking about Disney as an entity, as a company, as a place, Disney World. They're pushing the LGBT thing. If you didn't know about it, you should probably go look it up uh, before you come to Disney World next time you visit. Not like it's going to be like you got to be gay to come in, but there was a company-wide, I guess, a Zoom call, conference call that happened at Disney. The video got leaked and there's a guy named Chris Rufo on Twitter who I follow. He put the videos out. He put a lot of the clips out on this video where Disney has a not secret gay agenda. And there was an executive at Disney who said that out loud on the call. She said, this is a not secret agenda and it's a gay agenda and we're going to be pushing this hard. We want more gay characters in our movies. We will have more transgender people and minorities as lead roles in our stuff. At Disney World, we will no longer say ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We will say people. We're not going to call them ladies and gentlemen, boys or girls, because that's harmful to people who do not, who are non-binary. They don't have, they're not a boy or a girl. They're kind of, they bounce in between depending on how they feel, what side of the bed they wake up on that day. That's what Disney's doing now. That is literally happening at Disney moving forward. So Disney has a strong LGBT push that they're doing as a company, Disney, Disney, but Disney owns ESPN. And I think they're going to push more of this on ESPN as time goes on. We don't know exactly how, when, or where. This is just my theory. I'm giving you why this is my theory. And I think it's going to eventually come. But time will tell. Point number six. Today's topic, once again, we are talking the feminization of sports. And I'm I'm still building to where this all came from. Point number six. As I just told you, and I, I talked about this a lot just now, that there was an internal Zoom meeting that happened in Disney. The video got leaked where many higher ups at Disney. These are not some random no maintenance man at Disney. These are people with who make executive decisions at Disney. They made no qualms about the fact that they have a strong LGBT agenda that they will be pushing through the children and the programming for children over the next few years. I mean, we all know what Disney is, right? Disney does programming for kids. Any of you who has kids, you probably know about Disney entities because your kids are watching them. So you're watching them because your kids are watching them. If you're an adult with no kids, you probably don't know much about what Disney is programming. But those of you who have kids, you know all about it. This is what they're doing right now, that they're going to put one of them that they said. This person said this on video. You can find a video and see it yourself. They said that 50 percent of the characters in their films will either be gay or minority. They will have more leading role characters. In other words, like Snow White or Aladdin or Mickey Mouse, like the main character, the main person, Nemo whoever the main person is, they will make sure that they have more of them who are transgender in their films, not gay, not minority, transgender as the lead character so that when your kids see it, they are learning more about it. They become more curious about it. Now you got to explain that to your two-year-old kid or your four-year-old kid, whoever, whatever age your kid is when they're watching Disney film. And then these people said this stuff out loud. They said it in no uncertain terms. And again, this is a not secret agenda. They said this is a not so secret agenda. She said that in her own words. Disney owns ESPN. Disney tells ESPN what to do. So now it might make more sense to you than when we saw those football players, traditionally a very masculine place, football. I mean, next to military and construction worker type guys, football is kind of the most masculine men we got in our society. When we saw them crying on TV, and I was wondering, why are these dudes crying on TV? I know they can't really be that sad about what's going on. Why is this? I guarantee you there's some in-house meetings, some production meetings going on over at ESPN that's telling them, hey, we need to show more of this. And they found a perfect reason to do it. Now, again, this is just a theory of mine. That is not, I'm not reporting anything. 
Disney and ESPN, we call it DSPN, ESPN and Disney, they want more femininity in their programming. Another sign of this. Again, I'm just reading the TV leaves here. All the women who are now part of every TV show ESPN produces. You notice that? Notice that damn near every TV show ESPN has now, there's a woman who's just sitting there, not really adding to the conversation. She doesn't bring any information. She's not bringing any background or no specialized knowledge. She's just kind of sitting there and kind of playing like the referee, I guess, in these conversations. The NFL football show, there's a woman hosting it who has nothing to add to the football conversation, but she's just hosting the show. And then it's like four football players actually talking to you about the X's and O's and talking about what's actually happening in the football game. You got these debate shows where you got two men who are talking about their, their exchanging, the throwing blows about their knowledge and their opinions on a certain sports topic. And then there's a woman sitting in between them, adding nothing to the conversation, but just sitting there looking pretty. And no, what is she doing? What is she actually, what is the need for her in the conversation? There isn't really one, but ESPN has added all these women to their program. And I'm not saying it's necessarily a negative thing. Again, I'm just pointing these things out. I'm just reading TVs for y'all. I'm just laying down all of these points so that y'all can see that this stuff is, it looks like it's coordinated. Again, this is just my theory and what I'm noticing. Do you remember when ESPN shows, those of you who are old enough, remember when ESPN shows used to be just about sports? It was all sports. And guess who the shows were hosted by? People who were credible and knowledgeable and experienced in what? Sports. They were talking about sports because that's what they knew. These were, you had a lot of former athletes. You had people who came up reporting, journalists, people who had basically cut their teeth in the sports world, whether in the locker rooms, whether at the newspapers, whether they were reporters, they were radio guys, or they were former athletes themselves. That's what ESPN used to be. That's what we expected when we turned on ESPN. Some of them, let's be clear, were women. Some of them were women. So it wasn't like it was some boys club. It was, it was still mostly a boys club because, again, sports are traditionally male. So there are more males in sports than there are females. But there were women who worked at ESPN, but they were women who built their credibility the same way the men did. They were reporters. They were radio people. They had been in the sports world the same way the men had been in the sports world. They were on the show because of their credibility that they had built in their careers as journalists, not women who came up and they got on the show because they, I don't know, I guess they're eye candy for people to look at while y'all listen to the men actually talk about sports. There are women who are on ESPN shows now who have no credibility and no background whatsoever in the sports world, but they're hosting an ESPN sports show. Why is this? I'm just throwing a question out there and I'm just laying down it. I'm just laying down the tea leaves here because I'm just breaking things down here before we build it back up. The women who were traditionally on ESPN, if you think way back, the Robin Roberts, the Linda Cones, the Jackie McMullins, those people, those of you who know who I'm talking about, some of you don't even know who these people are, but those of you who know what I'm talking about, these women were not on the show because they were pretty necessarily. I'm not saying they weren't pretty. They were not on there because they were pretty or not because they were black or not because they were from some marginalized group. They were on there because of their credibility in the space in which they were talking. That's why they were on the show. How many women do you see on these TV shows now? Not only ESPN, because all the other networks follow ESPN's lead. ESPN is still the leader. So when you see these women on these other shows, why are they on the show? What do you know about sports? What have you done? What is your background? What journalism have you done? How long have you been in the game? Many of them haven't even been in the game. They just popped up out of nowhere and then they just get promoted and marketed as if they know something. They don't really know anything. But then if you say anything negative about them, well, then it's protect all women. It's defend all women. You can't be talking bad about women. You're a man. Why are you talking bad about women? What's wrong with you? Then if some man comes and capes up and defends the woman, well, where were these men when it was time to defend those swimmers at the University of Pennsylvania and in the Ivy League this year when Leah Thomas was kicking their ass in the pool? 
These same men who want to defend the women that I'm pointing out now have no credibility to be on sports shows. Where were these men when Leah Thomas was swimming this past season? I'm going to leave you with that question as we recap today's class, and then we'll move on to part three tomorrow. Point number four, the topic again is the feminization of sports. So point number four here, we're picking up from yesterday. What happened is a more liberal agenda took over. They have access to the athletes and the entertainers, and it's pretty much game on from there. Point number five. ESPN is a company that we all know. They are the worldwide leader. They were purchased by Disney years back. And Disney, I believe, is pushing more of the LGBT agenda onto ESPN. This basically exerting more of their own influence on a company that they literally have ownership of. And number six, there was an internal Zoom meeting that happened at Disney where Disney made it clear that they have a not-so-secret gay agenda. That was her actual words, not-so-secret gay agenda. And I believe ESPN will be part of this agenda simply because you get access to the children, then you get access to the athletes and the entertainers. You pretty much have access to all the masses. That's it right there. So this is where I'm seeing all this coming. And then we're going to start building this back up in part three tomorrow. So two things for you to do right now. Text me to get my daily motivation. My number is 305-384-6894. And go to workonyourgameuniversity.com. Join my university so you can be part of my mastermind. Work with me directly. And in my third day mastermind, it's work with me one-on-one. And coaching. That's again at workonyourgameuniversity.com. Work on your game. Dre all day. I have a text message line now where every single day from my number, I am sending out a text to everyone in my community with a daily motivation message to keep you sharp, focused, and on point to get started and be energized for your day. If you want to receive my daily motivation text, just send a quick text right now to say hello to this number. 305-384-6894. Again, 305-384-6894. Get my daily motivation text straight to your phone free of charge. 305-384-6894.